And so, my fellow Americans, ask not what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country. In the councils of government, we must guard against the acquisition of unwarranted influence, whether sought or unsought, by the military-industrial complex. That we can, and so help us God, we will make America great again. What's up, guys? Welcome to another episode of the No Gimmicks Podcast. I'm your humble host, as always, Brady Leonard. A ton to get to today. I was joined by my good friend, J.J. Leahy. Uh, We talked about the latest round of uh, purges from social media. Obviously, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, they're all targeting conservatives again, and they really do not... They do not want conservative speech on the internet, so we, we break all that down. Um, we also talked about Joe Biden's commanding lead um, in the 2020 Democratic primaries. Um, yeah, so I'm, you guys will enjoy this chat. That's always good talking to JJ. Um, yeah, first, follow us on Twitter at No Gimmicks Pod. At least for the time being, we're still on Twitter. So follow us at No Gimmicks Pod. Uh, please subscribe on iTunes, SoundCloud, or Google Play. If you are on iTunes, uh, please give us a five-star rating and a good review. All right. Without further ado, here is my chat with J.J. Leahy. All right, guys, we're here with J.J. Leahy. J.J., thanks so much for coming on, brother. Good morning. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Absolutely. So um, a lot to talk about today. I know we have a limited amount of time, but uh, we'll try to get to as much as we possibly can. Um, we're going to spend a lot of time talking about Joe Biden, who is looking more and more like he's going to be the Democratic nominee in 2020. But I want to start with the latest round of conservative purges from social media. Um, these tech giants have been very busy this week, kicking off kicking off all kinds of folks. Uh, Facebook kicked off uh, some fringe characters like Alex Jones, uh, Laura Loomer, uh, Louis Farrakhan. And then uh, they also yeah far right far right icon yeah far Louis right Farrakhan, icon rest in peace <laughs> Louis Farrakhan and then they also kicked off Paul Joseph Watson who's a reporter for Infowars but um, I've never seen Paul Joseph Watson do anything outside of reporting news I mean he seems like a pretty straight shooter whether you like him or not he's not like a conspiracy theory guy or anything like that um, it is interesting yeah like you said far right uh, they kicking out far right activists like you know Louis Farrakhan I feel like they did that just to give us some semblance of objectivity or something like that. Just threw him in there just to try to appease the right or something like that. Um, And then Twitter went ahead and started banning Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez parody accounts um, because apparently you're not allowed to make fun of Democrats anymore. And then I didn't, I didn't hear about that one. Yeah. They kicked, they kicked out the AOC parody account, uh, which is run by a conservative journalist named Mike Morrison. And then they permanently banned Mike Morrison as well. Just because. Oh my gosh. Yeah, which uh, Mike is a good guy. I, I've talked to him a lot on Twitter. Actually, he's supposed to come on the podcast at some point. Um, but he, he's just a conservative. He tweets like breaking news and stuff like that. I don't think I've ever seen him cuss on the internet. So, I mean, just nothing controversial at all. So, Twitter banned Mike and then his fake account uh, mocking AOC. Um, is is this that AOC Press yes. one? Oh, yeah. Yep. Oh my gosh. Dude, that's. They're they're not even hiding the ball anymore. No. I mean, you ban something like that, totally, totally within the realm of uh, you know their their terms and conditions, um, and and you ban you know and Paul Joseph Watson, he has in the past a number of years ago he has tweeted a couple of things that were you know controversial, but nowhere anywhere even close to approaching something that you could remotely defend as being ban worthy. 
No, I mean not not at all. I mean he's just a reporter. And he, with with Mike Morrison too, that's even more extreme, you know, because he's he's just some Jewish journalist. I mean he's <laughs> never done anything wrong in his life. And yeah, the 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 parody account that was banned is clearly marked parody. I think it's against Twitter's rules to like impersonate somebody and you know try mm-hmm. to convince people that you're somebody you're not. But it's literally in the name, like it's marked parody twice, like in the bio and in the name itself. This is a yep. parody account. Um, yep. Yeah, th- you're right that they're not hiding the ball. The fact that they're making it against the rules to make fun of Democrats is is pretty amazing. I just can't see this working out for them. I mean, I don't think that any um, good faith leftists or you know Democrats are going to look at this and say, yeah, th- this is uh, a-, a way that we should conduct business. This is a precedent that we should set. I think that I, I think that there really is going to be some backlash on on both sides of the aisle. I mean, if you know, if uh, left leaning accounts that you know fit into these exact same brands that uh, you know the AOC parody, Paul Joseph Watson, etc., if they were banned, I'd be upset. You know, uh, who's who's the Chenk Uger? You know, the young Young Turks guy. If he was banned. Um, from Twitter for you know making fun of right wingers, I'd be upset. That's not anywhere close to an okay way to um, uh, you know be approaching free speech or um, you know right and left relationships. This is a really it's it's a disgusting precedent. I think you're completely wrong that that. You think people on the left will have any problem with this? I, I think that's completely untrue. Um, I don't think anybody on the left um, will stand up for a conservative being banned. I, I haven't seen it. I mean, maybe. I, I hope. I hope you're wrong. I. I. I really. Um. I, you know. I guess I. I, I have some higher hopes. Uh. For our friends on the left, I. I really hope that. Uh, that they'll put. Um. You know. Some. Some principles above partisanship here. I. I haven't seen it. I mean, I, I'd love to see that. I mean, that would be great. That would restore my faith in humanity a little bit, I suppose. But um, I, I, I just don't I don't see it that way. I think, look, Jack Dorsey, the CEO of Twitter, he did the rounds. He went on Joe Rogan's podcast. He went on some other podcasts. He obviously testified before Congress. And he paid lip service to free speech. And, you know, we're going to try to fix this and fix the algorithm, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, he's, he's just a liar. I mean, he's just a, he's just a, a liar. He was lying. And uh, all these people, Zuckerberg, I mean, they're all just liars. I think they're they're just they're just trying to get Democrats elected, man. I mean, they talk, you know, everybody talks about election interference because some Russians posted a meme or two. I mean, this is election interference right here. I mean, they're they're trying to purge conservative voices from the internet. I think they'd rather lose money and achieve their political goals of getting, you know, Trump out of office or just getting Democrats elected generally, I think they'd rather lose money and achieve their political goals than make more money and please their stockholders. Well, there's another side to consider to this, too, and that is that the media has been hammering on Facebook and Twitter ever since the 2016 election and blaming them and uh, pointing fingers at them and demanding that they do exactly this. And apparently, if you scream long enough, you know they're they're going to buckle and and do what the media says. You know this is this is you know the the this battle between um, conservatism and um, the mainstream media is something that's nothing new. This has been going on for forever, 
and they, you know, they they won they won this battle right here. They um they have successfully started the censorship of right wing ideas, right wing commentary that is not inflammatory, that is not, uh, um, you know, uh, you know, breaching any um, concept of what we've agreed on is um, acceptable uh, free speech. It's not incitement. They they won this battle, and uh, you know this this stone has started rolling now. Uh, this this is only the beginning. It's only going to get worse from here in terms of conservative uh, censorship. Yeah, I mean, this people talk about you know, and I obviously don't believe that we're heading towards like an actual violent civil war or anything. But we're talking about how you know the two sides in this country seem incompatible sometimes, and it's leading towards like a, a second civil war. This is what the the civil war looks like nowadays in 2019. I mean, it's 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 happening on the internet, and the right has no weapons. Like, what 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 the hell are we supposed to do, JJ? Like, uh, they are coming for all of us. Like, it is the goal of Jack Dorsey and Mark Zuckerberg and these these tech giants. They they don't want conservatism on the internet. I mean, they they want to purge all of us, you and I included. And make it so people cannot hear what we have to say. That is the goal. And then they believe if they can achieve that, then, you know, Republicans will never win elections. That is the civil war that we're in right now. I just don't know how the hell, aside from just continuing what we're doing on this podcast and, and others, we, we have no weapons to fight this battle, right? Like, the left controls everything. You're... They control all of social media. They control all of, of old media. I, don't, I really don't know what's next. What, what, what the hell do we do next? No, you're right. And, you know, if you look at um, at mediums that are not controlled um, by leftists, it, specifically, um, you know, uncensored um, social media platforms and, uh, you know, talk radio, conservatives have been able to be extremely successful there. And you're right. We don't have weapons to fight against it because the, we are not willing to stoop to the levels that uh, that the leftists are. The leftists um, are fully embracing censorship of their opponents. They are um, embracing violence. I mean, they, <laughs> there are open calls from Democratic leaders to um, to fight ideas that you, you disagree with with violence. You know, and we, and we see it play out with Antifa. Um, we see it, uh, you know, in the censorship. It is, you know, absolutely. Uh, begun and uh, the the shutout of conservatives um, is only going to get way worse from here, and so no, no, I I don't think that conservatives should stoop to those levels. And as long as we don't, um, this is not a a, a war we're going to be able to win without um, you know coming up with our own uh, you know mediums for communication. Um, People have tried, like Gab, right? Like uh, Gab, which. Uh it was like a free speech alternative to Twitter. It's no longer an app. <laughs> so like these people build Gab and then uh, iTunes and, you know, Apple and, and, you know, the Android store and Google and all them, they just take the app off the store. Like you actually can't download Gab as an app anymore. You have to bust out the, your laptop and go to gab.com to see it. So it's like, you know, all right, don't complain. Just build your own Twitter. Well, we did. And then the tech companies removed it from the app stores. So, I mean, what are we supposed to do? Build our whole, build a new internet? Because that's not how this works. You can't build a new internet. So, I, I don't, I don't understand. Like, we need to be fighting back against this. I just don't know how. 
at, at this point. I don't know how either. I don't know how either. It's it's um man, it's depressing. I cannot stand our fellow conservatives and libertarians who mock people who have been banned, right? And I see it's mostly in the, in the never Trump crowd. And I even have some friends. I have some friends that I see mocking, you know, Alex Jones. He's an idiot, you know, blah, blah, blah. Laura Loomer, she's nuts. I mean, she is. But, like, Paul Joseph Watson is not nuts. And they were mocking him. Like, Mike Morrison no, isn't nuts. No. And they were still mocking him. It's like, guys, I, I can't stand this, like, conservative TM kind of people <laughs> on Twitter who... who won't get in the fight who like he, they will not stand up for people who are being censored. It's just gross. Like, do they not understand that the the left wants, look, the left wants us dead or enslaved. Okay. They really do either physically or intellectually, right? They, they do not want us to speak out. They do not like free speech. They want to confiscate our weapons. They want to choose what schools we can send our kids to. They, they want, they want to take away our liberties Stand up for people who are being censored. Why won't some conservatives do that? Why are they just hoping that they get killed last? They get eaten last, you know? Like they're we're all running from a bear. Yeah, and they're, I, they're tripping. I 100% agree. Yeah, with they're you. just you know yeah. the whole like oh you don't need to outrun the bear you just need to outrun the guy next to you. Is is that what they're thinking or are they just this stupid and ignorant to see what the hell's going on? Look, you know I I've never been an Alex Jones fan, neither, but neither I've have, always I've always been yeah I've. I've always been upset about, you know, every time that he would get banned from something. And look, Paul Joseph Watson is he's not an extremist. He's not a nutty uh, kook. He's not uh, inciting. He's not, uh, you know, slandering. He doesn't do any of, of these things that we could, you know, draw a line on the content. He just is espousing conservative ideas. And so his Facebook account got banned. Watch. I mean, I, I, I give it way less than six months before he's banned from Twitter too. And you know what's coming next is is YouTube. You know, he's um, very successful on YouTube. His YouTube's uh, account is going to be going next. Yeah, it, it absolutely will. It absolutely will. I uh, I, I just, I, look, I'm asking the audience right now, to, to my conservative and, and libertarian listeners, you, we kind of have to band together here, even with, even with Alex Jones. I can't stand Alex Jones. I'm not a conspiracy theory guy. I, I, I just don't. Right. I'm an adult. I have stuff to do. Got a lot on my plate. I don't have time for conspiracy theories. I don't like it. I don't like conspiracy theorists. And they drive me crazy. I think they're kind of stupid. And Alex Jones seems like a crazy person, right? But Yeah, but but the but the left labels anybody who's not on the left a a a conspiracy theorist and a crazy person and a racist bigot homophobe. Right. And here's the thing. Alex Jones is standing up for the Constitution of the United States. Period. Like, I, I, I'm on the side of the, the Constitution. I'm on the side of the Founding Fathers. Forget left and right. All right? Like, I, I like the Constitution because it protects my God-given liberties. Alex Jones is standing up for those God-given liberties. The left is trying to erase my God-given liberties. I, I stand well, this, I stand this, with Alex yeah. Jones against the Democratic this, Party. Like, that that's I, I don't care how crazy the guy is. If he's standing up for, for the Constitution, I'll stand up for him. Period. Well, you know, this is why the the First Amendment is is the most important one, you know. And, and you look at uh, you look at how they shifted the conversation to, to win this war, and that was speech is violence, you know. And and you saw, you know, just a couple weeks ago, uh, really disgustingly, with the um, Ilhan Omar uh, 
you know, scandal here where, uh, you know, she, she makes her, uh, nine 11 comments. People jump on her and, and criticize those really dumb comments. And the, uh, reaction from the left immediately was you are physically assaulting her and endangering her life by criticizing her. That's a, that is exactly 100% the reason why now the Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez parody account is banned is because, Oh, you're, you're making, you know, this, this is a threat to the life and the safety of, uh, you know, Ocasio-Cortez because you're making fun of her because you are criticizing her. We can't have that anymore. Um, you know, as long as it's directed at, um, people on the left and, that that right there is why they've been able to um, shift this this conversation because previously we were able to say look um, you know you don't you don't have to agree with me um, I don't have to agree with you but uh, you know what what we can agree on here is look we're just going to agree to disagree and kind of ignore each other and not um, not censor except in the case of um, you know incitement or or, um, you know, any kind of a, a, a threat to your personal safety. And so the, now, the reason they're able to bring any sort of force into this at all now is because they've, uh, you know, rewritten the rules. And now now any kind of disagreement with someone who's on the left is automatically violence. Which is absolute insanity. It's 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 absolutely insane. I, I, I don't know what's going to happen next, man. I don't know what's going to happen next, I, JJ, but... I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what goes from here. I, I implore everyone listening, stand up for your fellow conservatives. Stand up for free speech. Stand up for anybody who's being censored. And this is we need to band together because stand, stand up for stand up for the stand up for the right to, to free speech. You don't have to defend, you know, the specific words that Alex Jones says, well, but but you should defend his right to be able to say them, even if they are kooky and crazy. A hundred percent. Let's change gears here for a second. Um Joe Biden is looking like he's going to be the Democratic nominee. Uh, I actually picked him. Uh, he was that was my my prediction months ago. Um, I, but I, I did not I did not see these numbers coming. He's showing anywhere, and we can break down the the polls. But he's got anywhere from a twenty to a thirty five point lead on Bernie Sanders right now. Biden is polling. <coughs> excuse me. In most polls, he's up over forty percent. Right now, which is insane because the Democratic field is up to, I think, 25 candidates, and he's he already has 40 percent of the vote. Um, I don't think anybody saw Biden getting off to this big of a lead. I, this is it's crazy. I mean, we we knew for a fact that he was going to see a post announcement surge. Um, it's definitely bigger than most people thought it was going to be, including me. Um, you know, my prediction has always been that that surge was going to fade. So we'll have to see if that happens. But I will say it's a big enough surge that it could fade a lot and still benefit him. Um, it, and I, the, you know, obviously the, the candidate who is hit the hardest was Bernie Sanders. So, you know, when, when Biden jumps up, uh, you know, about 10 points um, after his announcement, and he was already ahead of Sanders. Sanders then went down um, by 8 to 10 points across the board. Um, most of the other candidates also went down. looks like Cory Booker is the only one who really saw um, any uh, any benefit at all. I mean... Everybody else went down, but Sanders went down the most. 
you know, and, and we're really at a point where it's a little bit silly to be talking about any candidates besides Biden and Sanders. Um, the only other candidates that have any kind of decent numbers at all are uh, Elizabeth Warren and Kamala Harris uh, and Pete Buttigieg. And, 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 and their numbers are half of what Sanders is. So it's kind of looking right now kind of similar to uh, Hillary Sanders from 2015. Uh, and, and we are nine months away from Iowa. Um, so we're going to see a lot of little guys drop out. We're going to see their numbers, you know, whatever, you know, the, the tiny little numbers they have go somewhere. Um, and and then we're going to have to see once these candidates get, get on the stage together, uh, whether Joe Biden can can um, compete with Bernie. You think he really can. I, I'm, I'm not so much um, on that on that ship yet. I'm going to disagree with you on a couple small points. Not I agree with your overall premise, but a couple small points. One, just that this is kind of just a side note. I don't know if any of these candidates are going to drop out anytime soon. We might be looking at 25 John Kasichs at this point. These people are so ridiculous and delusional and have such an overinflated sense of self-worth that they, like, I swear, I mean, they might stick stick in until the, the convention, man. Like, every single one of them might. Money, money will probably be an issue. You know, if the money dries up for some of these small guys, they're going to go home. But I, we're, we are going to have a lot of John Kasichs who hang in there way too long. I think this is the largest um, primary field we've ever had. Uh, it's definitely the largest we've had on the Democrat on the Democratic side. And you it's know, only in, May. In modern history. It's still May 2019. It's, I, we're probably going to get another maybe five candidates uh, oh, we, still. we might get another Baker's Dozen. That's my another thirteen. <laughs> but all right, you know. So one, one other thing. I okay, wanna, okay, okay. I, I want to bring it's, up this it's, point. It's kind of like it's kind of like last year when the Patriots were heading to the Super Bowl again, and, and I said, eh, you know, I'm so sick of seeing him at the at the Super Bowl. But you know, if if Tom Brady is already this far ahead in terms of Super Bowls, he might as well just keep padding his record and make it that much harder to beat in the future. So I say, you know, let's let's just you know welcome in some more candidates and just set the um you know the the all-time record for the most candidates we're going to ever have running for president, and hopefully we'll never beat it. Well, uh, you know, it wouldn't be a No Gimmicks podcast without some kind of sports reference, so I do appreciate that. Um, <laughs> but uh, I, w- this isn't represented in the national polls. Obviously, the polling that we're looking at is all national polls, right? Which uh, the, the state polls obviously make, especially in the primaries, uh, make a lot bigger of a difference. But I don't think Bernie is the one who took the biggest hit. I think... Uh, I mean, he did it in terms of polling data, yes, national polls. But I think the the candidates' hardest hit were Kamala Harris and Cory Booker, um, because to get the nomination, you need to win either Iowa, New Hampshire, or South Carolina. Well, you don't. All right, basic. Basically, you need to win one of those three states. It is possible to to win the nomination. You basically have to sweep Super Tuesday. You'd have to sweep both Ohio mm-hmm. and Florida and a third state on Super Tuesday which is nearly impossible um, because usually everybody's trying to pick off one state. You can't campaign in every state at the same time. And obviously those all, there's like what, five or six states that all vote on Super Tuesday. So, but essentially you need to win Iowa, New Hampshire, or South Carolina. Now Biden is up in all three states right now. He, he might just win all three and this thing might be over in a hurry, but Kamala Harris and Cory Booker, the two black candidates are polling at like one to 
4% in Iowa and New Hampshire. They're, they're not even competitive. I don't even think they're going to try to win those two states. They're both banking on, especially Kamala Harris, is, well, uh, look, let's just talk Harris. Cory Booker doesn't matter. I mean, he's completely irrelevant. I think Kamala Harris is hardest hit because she's banking on South Carolina. That's where she's pouring all of her money is South Carolina. And Biden is like way ahead in South Carolina. He He's pulling at like 60% of the black vote nationally. A vast majority of South Carolina Democrats are black and he is just eating her lunch in South Carolina. So w- with Biden polling so well along among minorities and just with a commanding lead in South Carolina, I think that it basically just eliminates Kamala Harris's chances right then and there. I, I think she has absolutely no path to the nomination anymore at all. If these numbers are still holding true in six months, then I'll go ahead and agree with you. For right now, I just think we're we're way getting ahead of ourselves here. I don't think that enough people are paying attention to the election um, for us to really be able to accurately gauge uh, what the numbers are going to be. And Biden just announced. We haven't even had a chance for his uh, for his surge to subside at all. Uh, I, I, I I do think you're right. Uh, Kamala Harris really would need to win South Carolina. I, I think, though. Well, let me also say Pete Buttigieg, uh, you know, he was surging for a little bit there. Um, he he also saw, um, you know, his numbers go down. I think that in the long run, he is going to be hit. Uh, really hard um, by uh, Biden's entry into the race because he's really going for the same uh, the same avenue that Biden is. So I, I think that but a judge is going to have a really, really hard time competing with the former vice president who has really high name recognition, um, who has a really long track record. I, th- I think that uh, Biden is pretty effectively um, eliminating but a judge from from the running. I, I, in six months, in six months, I wouldn't be surprised to see uh, Harris's numbers up a bit, Sanders' numbers up a good bit, uh, Warren's numbers probably up a little bit still, and Biden's down from where he is now, but still probably a little bit in the lead. I know you have to leave in a, in a few minutes, JJ, but one more point. I think, and look, I'm not I'm not playing armchair physician or anything. I'm not diagnosing Joe <laughs> Biden with anything. But um, look, we've all noticed hearing him speak in the last couple months. Uh, he is at the ve- at best case scenario. He, the man is 78 years old. He'll be 79 on Election Day. Mm-hmm. Best case scenario, he's lost a step. That's best case scenario. He, he is his speech is slurred. He's speaking at about half pace what he what he used to speak. He gets confused. The, the weird China comments, like, oh, no, no, China, no. They can't even figure out the ocean and the mountains in the east. I, I mean, the west. And the or what? and he's, like, rambling about <laughs> mountains in China and stuff. Best case scenario, he's just an old man who's lost a step. Worst case scenario, Alzheimer's. Right? I mean, the, the man is not—he's not the same Joe Biden. Look, he's never been a, a genius. I mean, he's not—look, he, he he's never had an IQ of, of 150, but— he is really slow. Best case scenario, he is really slowing down. And I think that that's one way he could lose this nomination is if he's on a debate stage and, you know, walks out without his pants on or something like that. You know, like, <laughs> if, you know, well, he can't drive to the debates because he lost his car keys, something like that. He, he is mentally in the decline, it seems to me. 
I'm not trying to play armchair doctor. I, I swear. Uh, ho- hopefully he's he lives to be 120, right? I wish nothing but the best for Joe Biden. But he has really lost a step, and on a debate stage, that could really, really hurt him. But the death of Biden's son, um, I, I think, may have cost him the presidency. I think that 2015 really was his year. Uh, he didn't run in, in 2015, and I, I I think he should have. Um, I, I don't I I just I have a hard time seeing him make it work this year. Um, and 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 the the stuff you're pointing out with Biden, we're seeing some really similar stuff from uh, Bernie Sanders uh, in terms of you know being slow and, and a little bit less mentally there. Um, you know. There, there, there really might be some issues on the debate stage, um, I, and I have said all along that I think that the debate stage is going to be um, the biggest opportunity to dethrone Joe Biden. I, I think he's going to have a lot harder time uh, once he's on the same stage with everybody else and they're um, calling out his policies and stuff. If if you're going to take him down, I th- think that's going to be where they're going to do it. Right. I totally agree. And, uh, I mean, can you imagine if he does get the nomination uh, debating Trump? I mean, Trump's an old man, too. I, be, I believe he's 72, but uh, Biden's, you know, five, six years older. And tr- Yeah, look. we're, we're going we're gonna to have these three geriatrics, Trump, <laughs> Biden, and, and Bernie Sanders, Oof. you know, all, all trying to appeal to millennials and, you know, oh boy. Uh, and, look, say what you want about Trump, but he's, he's you know, whatever, 72, but he's he, he looks and sounds good for his age, you know, in a way that—, that yeah, yeah, he Bernie does. Bernie Sanders and and Joe Biden do not. He's a lot quicker in a debate. He's a lot quicker on his feet. He can make jokes. He can you know get those little barbs in there. He's you know mentally in a lot in a lot better shape I'd say than than a, a Joe Biden at this point. So um, you know and and man Biden he's he's aged so much in the last few years too. Like looking at him now, it's like man he was vice president three years ago and it's like I don't even recognize the guy right. Like he has. Oof, age has not treated that man well, but uh, I guess I guess we'll see. And you I, know what? You know what? You know what's interesting is so you know you look at uh, all the pictures of past um, presidents, you know, at the, at the, when they went into office and when they came out, and you know just how much that ages you like crazy. Trump does not look super different. No. <laughs> uh, usually, usually at you know about three years in like this, uh, you know he really should be showing some some aging, and he he's really not. He's Seems like a uh, slightly more mature version of <laughs> who he was in the campaign trail in 2015. Right. Yeah, I know. He's an anomaly, man. <laughs> I don't. I don't know. Uh, so JJ, I know you got a heart out here. You got to go. But before you leave, uh, where can everybody find you online and keep in touch with you and and all that good stuff? Hey guys, follow me on Twitter at JJ Leahy. Uh, give me a follow and uh, love to chat with you. You finally got your uh, your name back on on Twitter, so that that's that's good to know. Yeah, you're, I'm, you're no I'm, longer I'm really excited people to no longer the mild moderate. Well, yeah, I still got it in my bio. I I, I like call myself that, but <laughs> uh, yeah, it was it was a good handle while it lasted. But you know, it's just something something about having your own name that's just kind of nice. Yeah, it is. I'm sure your parents agree. Um, all right, <laughs> everybody follow JJ. He's great. I'm Brady Leonard. I'll be back on Monday. No gimmicks.